podcast series that focuses on big data and analytics, digital marketing, and the latest trends in the digital world. I'm your co-host, Jeremy Roberts, and with me always is my co-host, Samir Khan. Hey, Samir. Hey, Jeremy. How's it going? Good. How are you? Very good. Exciting start to 2016. It is. We're getting into the weeds, and the, the year is starting to pass. We're already in February. Uh, the weather has now settling down. It, you know, it was really brutally cold in some parts of the U.S., so now start things are looking much better. Yeah, and I think even with that, you know, weather settling down and all that, I think it's also companies and marketers and analytics, you know, professionals are starting to settle down and really trying to discover, you know, how should I, how can I really tackle 2016? Because I know a lot of people, they, they do their planning for 2016 back in Q4 of last year, but a lot of times it doesn't really come to fruition until now. And I think that's where people are looking at, hey, okay, we've been doing some things right and wrong, but what are some best practices? What are some of the things we should do as far as best practices for our top performing channels? I totally agree. I think that's definitely an important part. You know, especially marketers, they try to find different hacks uh, for the different uh, marketing channels they have. Yep. Uh, so I agree. Best practices is very helpful. And, and one of them that I want to focus on is is actually a channel today that's been around now for about 44, 45 years. And can you guess what that channel is that's been around now that we're going to talk about today for about 44 years? Mm, that's that's a good one. Uh, email? Email. You are correct. Well, I, I guess I hinted that to you already. <laughs> that's a topic. That probably seemed to be the oldest one because I remember the good old days of uh, ARPANET and you know all those old intranet days. Yep. And I think the first form of communication that was actually created was uh, sending specific messages digitally. Yeah, like, it was actually sent by a guy named Ray Tomlinson. He sent out the first email in 1971 through ARPANET. So it was oh, pretty nice. interesting. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I, I think today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about um, you know supercharging your email best practices. And, and really we want to go through some of the email best practices that both Samir and I think are important for 2016 that I think are really going to change the way you do business. And, you know, a lot of what we want to do is say, you know, this is not for the advanced level marketer or even the basic level marketer. This is for all marketers who use email. There's going to be a little bit of something in here that's going to be used for everybody. Yeah. So I think one of the, let's first talk about what are the big themes, you know, what are the big themes to focus on for 2016? And for me, I think that you know, email is going to be a really, it's going to be a key channel when you look at the holistic customer journey, you know, and it's all about integration of that data and integration of email into other channels. Yeah. And that's a great point because if you look at, you know, you bring up a very solid point there when, when you talk about the customer journey and the association of email to that journey, uh, f- few years ago, like, you know, four or five years ago, email was just considered, uh, as a channel to acquire new names to your yep. pipeline and sell them product, right? Yep. You know, that was pretty much the use of email, which was probably at the top of the funnel, get as many people as possible in your funnel and send them more and more product. That has changed significantly with the invention and creation of new marketing automation technologies. Email is a critical piece of the journey puzzle across all different stages of journey. So in the acquisition side, you can still, yes, you can still send emails uh, to an outbounded list uh, and target them with a specific product or offering. 
on the nurture side, you can have people subscribe to your blog, to your email or newsletter series, or probably even get their email to have them sign up for a free trial. And then on, you know, customer conversion side, you can continue to send them messages and prepare your salespeople. So at the particular stage, they can interact with the customer using email in a very specific one-to-one communication uh, and look forward to convert those customers to a paid customers. So I think the journey, uh, as we start talking about the customer journey, we have talked about in previous podcasts, email mm-hmm. is playing a critical role in you know some of the analysis that I have done in, at the different organizational level is seeing email is consistently a very powerful channel mm-hmm. at the top, in the middle, and the bottom of the funnel. I agree. And, and the thing is it also... Most people, you know, when you're looking at return on investment, you're looking at the return of different channels and how they bode well together. Email, in my mind, has always been a high return. I mean, you're talking at minimum two to one return. I've even seen in my experience with some companies where we've, we've effectively sent out, you know, 270 million emails a year um, through 10 different channels. And we're pulling in an average three to one return on our emails. Yeah, mm-hmm. and especially if you're talking about sending an emails to already acquired customer. I mean, talk yeah. about the the efficiency you get from that channel because you're not paying to acquire those customers. They're already a part part of your database. All you're doing is sending them different types of messaging to continue to do business with you or upsell and cross sell. So yeah, definitely huge, huge upside exactly. potential. So yeah, so let's get into the weeds of uh, the email marketing solution okay. and you know what do we have for our listeners today. Sure, and, and just to give everybody a quick note, don't feel like you have to drastically write this down, you know, and, and memorize everything. Um, we actually have this uh, ebook available that you can go and uh, click on to download at ninja-marketing.com. That is uh, Samir and I's website. And uh, we'll repeat that information later in the podcast. But so today we're going to go over a few email marketing strategies. You know, in the ebook we have eight that we focus on, but we're going to go over a few of them today. So the first one I really want to focus on is really the integration, integrating elements of other digital channels into your email marketing activities. And so the whole premise behind that is, as you become more advanced in your in your marketing and analytics. You started to understand that you know there's no such thing as siloed data and siloed channels because once you do that, you you have a very, you know, dry and narrowed focus campaign that's really not going to give you the, the best return. So what we're talking about is really integrating those other elements into marketing. I'm sorry, into your email marketing, and so you know, taking elements of social, it's taking elements of your content in your website, and and putting those elements into your into your email activities. So your thoughts on that, Samir? Yeah, yeah and I think that's a great point um, and definitely a very valuable point when we live in the omni-channel world today. Uh, email is definitely a key piece uh, from a channel spectrum which can and has a potential of touching different channels. And there are technologies, again, going back to, you know, the marketing technology piece, like there are technology in the market from a marketing automation and email marketing side where you can actually use a list and send them multiple and divert them to multiple channels. So you can have the same message on your email per se that people open their inbox, or you can have the same message on a social media platform. You can have the same message on display. 
and you can use that marketing technology and automation to syndicate that message to your base all these different mediums. Cool. So let's go to the, the yeah, go for it. Sorry. A little bit more on that. So I think, you know, the, the idea here is when you think about the omni-channel view of email marketing and email automation, uh, email plays a critical role because even though we consider we get a lot of spam in our inbox and, you know, we consistently delete the open rates are going lower and lower. The click throughs are going lower and lower. All of that is happening today, but Smart marketers are finding ways to drive traffic to the channels that are in tandem with email. So as, as I was mentioning, social display and all these different avenues and even uh, sending in-app messages, you know, notifications that you get uh, within the control panel, within the user interface they have. So there are various ways to think about email. Uh, if you start thinking about email as a silo tool, you're going to start getting into the weeds of like, hey, the open rates are going down and there's a whole bunch of issues. But as a society, we are still very dependent on email. You know, tell me how many times a day you check your emails, even <laughs> though you don't like some of the messages, but you still have a tendency to do that. And with our mobile devices, that is increasing. And most of the time, like, you know, there's some survey done between different countries in the world. I think the U.S., mm-hmm. you know, the audience is more email savvy, especially yep. with the uh, with the mobile devices in their hands all the time. Yeah, I mean, sadly enough, if I get a hundred emails a day, I'll check it my for my email a hundred times <laughs> in that day. It, it's I'm sad. I'm pathetic. It's okay. <laughs> and we're all in the same boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so let, let's go to the second one that we want to focus on. So this one is is a very big deal. It seems like something that's basic. It seems like something everybody should be doing, but it's a reminder to continually optimize and segment your email list to stay relevant. So everybody thinks it's the best practice. You should always do it, but a lot of people don't do it correctly. So what we're trying to say here is the best practice is every three months, clean your email database. Simple as that. So either use an in-house tool, go to a third party. We're talking about scrubbing out bad, old, fake, or seeded emails in your list because the last thing you want to do is to be picked up by spam traps. And the last thing you want to do is to increase your chance of getting um, soft or hard bounces. And once you hit that threshold, then you get into a blacklist issue. And you never, ever, ever want that to happen. Yeah, and this is pretty timely, actually. We are in the process uh, in, in the organization where I work. is We're in the process of going and cleaning up uh, our huge email database. So there have been... You know, we're collecting names over time. You're buying names. You have your internal customers. Uh, you have uh, prospects and all of that mash into one big giant database. And to your point, you know, that's the exact exercise that we're going through. So we're identifying people who have not showed any activity in the last few years. Uh, we're identifying people which, which have uh, contacts associated with them, but there is no potential lead. Uh, or opportunity. So there are different ways and different angles. You can segment by date. You can segment by personas. You know, mm-hmm. maybe the organization changes the course, so you're not targeting a specific persona anymore. Uh, so different ways to slice and dice your data. But exactly what Jeremy is saying, it is very, uh, it is very important for you to every quarter or every six months to go look back your database and start to clean up. And as a matter of fact, if you're working with some of the current modern uh, email marketing and marketing automation providers. If you don't do that, then you're going to have overcharges, yeah. uh, which is pretty dangerous. You don't want to get in the situation where they start charging you something and you don't even know like where the charge is coming from. But now you know it's coming from the ginormous database that you have that you have not cleaned up. 
Yeah, and, and let me warn some people too is that segmentation is fantastic and it's great, but sometimes there's over segmentation. There are people who get really picky and want to just segment everything into little kind of, you know, types of segmentation based on timing and based on whatever. You can over segment. I'm just warning that. And, and and a lot of times you can't be too fixated on the segmentations that you that you put in place because those may change over time. And you really have to test each of those and work with those. So he, here's a real life example. Um, we were doing a segment in my last company. We we're doing a segmentation list on um, reorders. So we knew that it was around time for people to reorder. And we did some testing over the past three three years to look at you know, what was the average time to reorder? And you go to the average person in the email department, and they would say, that's eh, 18 months. Okay, um, well, how is it today? So as we started testing that, we looked at maybe trying to send that reorder segment prior to the 18 months and after the 18 months. And we found out it was so varied based on the type of people. So we had to change our segmentations to be a little bit different to say, if this person bought this type of product, their reorder timing was a little bit earlier, and for others, it was a little bit later. And we were using that type of testing to really get down to the truth of it. So, like I said, once you figure out your segmentation, don't stick to it forever. That's a great point. Yeah, I agree. And with the, uh, with the technology, you can also do a whole bunch of filtering and change your filtering so you can target the right prospect at the right time. I mean, the, the timing you know, is very important. Uh, so to your point, like if, you know, if I'm trying to buy something, uh, and I'm in the market looking for it, how do you, uh, you know, how do you identify those traits, those insight that I'm communicating through my digital behavior that I am ready, send me that email so I can buy, you know, that, that optimal timing and that optimal filtering and segmentation is critical. Exactly. Okay, so let's get to the next one. This is something that both I think uh, Samir and I get excited about is leveraging analytics software to integrate email data with other digital cham- channels to determine the customer journey. What are your thoughts on the customer journey, Samir? I-, I know you get excited about this one. Yeah, I'm totally excited about it uh, because journey, it becoming uh, it's becoming more mainstream. So as we talked about the predictions for 2016, a customer journey analysis is a key part of any marketing organization. If you're in marketing, if you're not analyzing your customer journey, if you're not trying to understand how a customer goes from uh, origination to close, mm-hmm. then you are missing out a whole bunch of information. So as I was saying earlier, email is being a very important channel in the entire buyer's journey. Speak about marketing, sending an email to acquire new customers in the pipeline. Speak about sales, sending an email to have a one-on-one conversation with the customers and sending them proposal and quote and all those things. Uh, email is very fundamentally integrated to the customer's journey. Mm-hmm. And when you take this email data as one data piece and then you have your other sources, you know, i.e. your social interaction, your web interaction, the interaction with your free trial uh, interfaces, the interaction with your, the actual product usage data, uh, during that free trial. Uh, the other way you can think about the behavior that the customer shows when they're working with your products. Maybe they have specific questions with your support on the product or services they have. So all of this multifaceted data is being collected. Yep. And if you add the email quotient in there, it just completes the whole picture. 
then you can make sense. Okay, the customer had a problem with their free trial and they reached out to the support teams and they created this particular ticket. And this was a particular email that originated uh, the problem that eventually led to a support ticket and, you know, uh, ramification and fixation of the problem. So I think all of these things uh, play hand in hand together. And when you paint the picture of the customer's journey, it will tell you piece by piece what are the different milestones that the customer went through. And then when you layer this journey, uh, behavioral journey data with your revenue data or with your customer growth potential data, then you'll see new insights starts to emerge. Exactly. And I think that that goes best into the next one that I want to talk about. And and we're going to combine a few of these here. But one of them is using email to communicate in multiple ways, not just campaigns. So a lot of people think, you know, I'm just using email marketing for my campaigns or for products. No, I mean, not just product announcements, you know, use it for cross-sell opportunities, recovering customers have abandoned their cart, um, you know, invitation to social or community events, you know, being able to reach back out to people for, you know, for issues or concerns about, you know, product releases or product issues. There's so many different ways that you can use email marketing. And I think really understanding that customer journey and figuring out where that email fits within that journey and where that touch point happens, you really start to hone in on the true value of email and, and are able to get the highest return possible. And, and that's a very important statement that you said there, that email is not just used for acquiring customers or putting mm-hmm. them to a specific campaign. It is a key piece of communication that can be used across all the different lifecycle milestones of the customer, right? Because if you just use the emails for the traditional old way of using emails, like, hey, I'm going to send a whole bunch of emails so yeah. I can sell my product, yep. that is not going to work in today's world where people, the first thing that we delete, what is the first thing that you delete? You know, Spam. Sales emails, yeah. right? Spam, Spam. sales. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, so, but one-on-one communication, let's say if I have requested something uh, from a company and they respond me by email, am I not going to go and check that email first? Yes, I am, of course, because that is something that I actually requested. So it's a more meaningful conversation to me. So if people start to think that email is dying, email is dead, that's not true. A certain, you know, certain segments of email marketings are dead because they are so old school. They're so outbounded. They're not personalized. Uh, they're not focused on the user's journey. Yeah. And I think you, you, you focus on, you, you said one big thing that I want to focus on that he says, you know, one to one, you know, and I think that bodes well to something else we want to talk about is, you know, using your email to onboard your customers. You know, a lot of people think that, you know, you have to, you know, wine and dine your customers and get them excited about you, you know, and send all these emails and so on to get them to come and try out your product. But a lot of people forget that even after they purchase, you still can use email to to keep that communication going, to onboard them, to really invite them back to do new things, to help um, ha- help them become an advocate. But one way to do that is to use a real one-to-one um, tone of voice and a one-to-one view of that email by sending it from a real person. So a lot of people, you know, they'll send generic emails, let's say from company X, you know, info at company X.com. Rather than that, pick a specific person within that, that organization and have these emails come from them. Send emails from a real person you know, select somebody that's socially savvy, a colleague or somebody in product or leadership and have them be represented in your communications. And it's not like they're going to have to 
change their whole job and you know and have to answer a hundred emails when they get you can filter all those and have them go through a system but you know be more realistic try to be more real with people because people appreciate that no yeah i think you know sending it from an actual person in the company that is approachable actually you know i, I remember like you did this uh, uh, when we were working in rack space when uh-huh. you had these emails coming out to be from a specific product marketing manager yep. and yep. that product marketing manager was approachable on linkedin emails so they can answer a question that was a very smart thing to do because then it becomes absolutely real and absolutely uh, important if I'm receiving an email and I can approach that person. So that's a great point. And speaking of that, it, I, it reminds me of a funny email that I used to get from this company. So I once, you know, I, I had to send this gift to someone in India and I use an Indian uh, shopping site and I send them the gift. So now I'm a part of that Indian shopping site's email database. So every now and then, whenever there was some type of festive event, uh, I used to get an email from them. But apparently... It was from a real person, but the person's name was a movie actor. <laughs> so whenever I used to see that email, like, why, why would I open an email from a really popular movie actor trying to sell your product? It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> it was hilarious, but <laughs> that's, that's a not the correct way of sending from a person, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, an ideally rule of thumb there is don't choose somebody in the marketing department. Cho- don't choose somebody in the sales department. Choose somebody that most likely they won't feel threatened by. So product, you know, strategy is some type of executive management or leadership position. So, yep. And I guess one more thing before we move on to some tactics is I, I think, you know, our audience might be interested in account-based marketing. Yeah. So I, I think it is a buzzword. So we have to use a buzzword. <laughs> not yep. really, but I think account-based marketing is not really a buzzword. It is a requirement. And that has been persistently uh, sort of not taken into consideration for a long, long time. But now enough people are educated on the whole premise of account-based marketing. And, and mm-hmm. thanks to kind of Salesforce uh, driving a whole bunch of uh, that type of messaging and some other uh, entities out there. But the whole idea about account-based marketing is instead of trying to reach an individual contact or individual person in the organization you want to start thinking about that organization in an entity itself so what does that mean so for example i'll pick ibm here and ibm let's say if ibm is in a process of purchasing uh uh i don't know maybe uh, some type of a uh, technology right you know, their process of purchasing even though ibm won't do that is it builds its technology but let's say if ibm the process of uh purchasing a technology for their employees to become better at what they do. And then several different departments in IBM are trying to approach different companies. And that company will get, you know, probably hundreds of different people and stakeholders because IBM is such a huge organization. There are so many people in that organization. Everybody will have a different question. There's going to be finance. There's going to be different departments. And within each department, there's going to be individual stakeholders. So start to think about how many different ways you can a company ABC that is selling a widget can get you know they'll totally get overwhelmed with all the requests coming in from different departments. So if they start looking at by contacts, then they'll probably have to talk to each of these different contacts, and they might create an opportunity for each of these contacts within their CRM system, and they might try to close the deal for each of these contacts. And then the end comes out like IBM said, "Oh, this is not the right company for us because they don't know what they're talking about." 
one department is getting a different message versus completely different message than the other department. Yep. So then, well, but instead of looking at the contacts, you start looking at IBM as an entity as a whole. And then you rationalize your communication across all different departments, try to see who's what, who's the key stakeholder, and who should you be talking to. And if there's already a salesperson in the organization that is talking to IBM on a different levels, that you should go and communicate. So once you look at the account level, then you know IBM at the end is just going to buy one widget. Yeah. Uh, for, for, you know, product. And so they're not going to buy hundreds of them. That's their, that's not the idea. So then, you know, like I got to sell to this person and have a formal meeting where I can start looking at the account base and start sending them email messages that impacts the overall accounts health, not necessarily the individual performance. Of course, you're going to have still have one to one communication with the right individuals. But once you know where IBM is in the buying process as a company, it becomes a lot more easier for you to sell your products to them. So that's the whole premise of account-based marketing. And so our idea here is once you start thinking about email best practices for 2016, start thinking in the direction of not targeting individual contacts, but thinking about the company as a whole and where they are in the buying journey and a communication journey with you. Very smart, yeah. It's... um. It's just smart. Yeah. I, uh, I have no other way to put it, but it, it, it's a great idea. And I, I think, you know, email marketers are becoming more savvy and they're, and they're starting to, the key here is work with sales, you know, marketing itself within a silo. We're talking about using email marketing with its own silo of other channels. Marketers themselves cannot sit with their own silo. They must work alongside uh, sales. And the way I see it, the, the, the analogy here is, you know, it used to be like a baton relay or marketer would do all this stuff at the beginning and go and hand the baton over to the salesperson. The salesperson would run with it. Today, think of it as a three-legged race, marketing and sales working together to be able to, to reach their goals of that sale. And I think account-based marketing is perfect for that. Very well put. And that's a great example uh, where email is actually allowing us to close the gap between sales and marketing. And in most yes. organizations, when you start to see the area where sales and marketing are working together is with the usage of the right email tactics. And I'm not going to get into the weeds of the automation tools and how they work and all those things. The essence of that email is now sales have come to realize how critical email is for them to communicate. And if the email can be structured the way marketing has been doing for years, uh, then it can be a very strong partnership between sales and marketing. So very well put. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, I agree. So uh, let's go over some tactics now. Um, we're going to kind of briefly go through these. And like I said, if you ever have questions, contact us. Go to ninja-marketing.com and you can find Samir and I on there and, and ask us more questions in detail. But here's some tactics, um, some best practice tactics on uh, ways to best set up your email program. So the first one is always have a QA checklist, a quality assurance testing checklist, because a lot of times you're going to have multiple click-through points. You're going to have a lot of different you know, you know, things that you have to do in order for the email to go out correctly so it doesn't get picked up by spam and so on. You, know, you have your HTML version. You have your text versions. You have to make sure your links work and so on. You just create a checklist. Much easier to do. Makes your life easier. Second one here really is, Something that I had to experience before is when you have large email sends, a lot of people think, and you're doing it from different um, product sets or different uh, brands, 
for each of those brands, create a separate IP address. And so what that means is if you have a spam trap, if there's a spam trap set up and somebody's trying to capture your brand and you know you haven't been doing a lot of filtering and cleaning of that email database and one of those brands gets caught on that blacklist and all your brands sit under the same IP address, then all of them are, are in trouble. So the best thing to do is take your big brands and separate them by different IP addresses. That way if one has an issue, you're still safe with the others, right? Um, let's see. Let's. Uh, how about another one? Is maintaining your opt-out database? That's just a big deal. Um, if you if you are offering an opt-out, which you obviously have to do with can spam, stay up with it. Stay compliant with it. If somebody, if you say yeah, if somebody opts out and you guarantee they'll they'll be opted out within two to three business days, do that. You know, the last thing you want to do is just never really take them out of your database and you're constantly sending them email because all they do is turn you in. And with that, some of the new best practices today are giving them opt-out options. Rather than just say opt-out and unsubscribe from everything, give them the options to opt-out. You know, opt-out from specific types of emails or opt-out by frequency or, you know, selectively unsubscribe to something. That way you don't permanently lose them. Yeah, and speaking of opt-out, one quick point here. Sure. When you think about the international audience, now U.S., it's, the laws are much more lenient in terms of how many emails you can send and who can send an email. And, you know, you can probably, like, overcome some of the challenges pretty quickly. But when you look at the international laws when it comes to email and can spam and all those things, it just becomes more and more complex. So you have to be very sensitive if you're trying to send emails to your international audience. You have to follow the process and procedures. If they opt out, uh, and you know, that's it, that's the end of the deal. And there are certain laws I remember in Canada or UK where you have to do double opt-in in order for the yeah. customers to start receiving emails. So single opt-in is not going to work. So nuances such as that are is very sense. People get very sensitive when they receive email from you, even though they have not, uh, if they have opted out, if they have not double opt-in. So things like that have very important to keep in mind. Completely agree. Um, one of the things we can jump over to really is, you know, how to best analyze your performance. So one of the ways I like to do it is choosing your best performers by using a very simple formula using revenue per email. So going in there and taking each of your email sends. Um, so think about this. If you have an email batch that you sent out last month and had a list size of like 10,000 people, and last week the list size was 15,000 people, because of the difference in sizes, you can't really have a common factor on the success of the revenue because with 5,000 more emails, your revenue could have been completely off. So with that, we do this recommendation of um, you know, total revenue over total emails sent, and that's really your revenue per email, something as simple as that. Um, looking at different opportunities when you increase your email database size, you know, looking at your earn, rent, or buy options for your email lists, also looking at lightbox capture when somebody comes to your website, asking them through a lightbox that pops up, you know, do you want to add your email to our list for promotions or offers? Um, the other thing here is also continually testing. You know, it's important to keep testing your reorder timing, testing your subject lines and your call to actions, and also testing your frequencies and deployment timing. So the last thing you want to do is say, well, this is a best practice that's been around for five years. Well, that was five years ago. This is today. This is 
February of 2016. So constantly test and, and adjust as needed. So another thing we also want to talk about is ways to increase conversion of your emails. So looking at your, you know, your database, we talked about segmentation. We talked about database hygiene, being able to get those uh, email lists and clean them up, you know, possibly even using inactive resends. And also, you know, make sure that they're similar creative on your landing pages. So when you have an email and we're talking about you no know, email not being its own silo, take the same messaging and same imagery from that email and put it on the landing pages. Put it on those pages where people are going to be able to click through. So outside of that, I mean, th- those are some of our best practices. And, and like I said, it's a lot of stuff to go over in one podcast that would be way too long. But I think it's important to know that you can go to ninja-marketing dot com and that's Samir and I's website and you can uh, find a link to go download it there. Yeah, the the ebook, you know, great work on putting together the ebook, Jeremy. I think it'll be mm-hmm. great for our listeners to have something very tangible that they can refer to throughout the year. Exactly. And I think this has been a great topic. We're extremely excited and please keep on listening to us and feel free to, you know, we're on Different places you can find us on uh, SoundCloud. You can find us uh, on iTunes. Please go ahead and put up your reviews. Um, and you can always find us on ninjajashmarketing.com. And uh, we're excited to be here with you guys. Great. Cool. And uh, thank you guys for listening again. And uh, we'll see you on the air. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.